This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Yelton, we have a podcast. Diving, diving deep, deep, diving deep into all things Texas, both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General Sean McClain. Welcome, welcome to Utopia. Hey, everybody! It is the Utopia Football Podcast. We are closing out Week 15. And much like last week, really the last couple of weeks, um, frustration, missed opportunity, the theme for the Houston Texans as they lose today, 30-24. to 24. I say today. You're hearing this on Monday. John McClain and I are recording it on Sunday evening following the game. 30-24 to 24 in overtime, the final score. The Chiefs beat the Houston Texans. I am Sean Pendergast, one half of Payne and Pendergast. Mornings on Sports Radio 610, along with the Hall of Famer, the uh, senior Texans columnist for us at SportsRadio610.com and GalleriesSports.com, John McClain. And, John, um, this one was certainly a lot closer than both you and I thought it would be today. What are your initial thoughts on the game before we get into stock up and stock down? I've never given an A on an overall team grade or coaching after a loss, but I didn't do that with the Cowboys because I don't think the Cowboys are a Super Bowl contender, but I certainly do believe the Chiefs are. Texans had a chance to beat them, six starters out, four on offense, and obviously teams don't get sky high for the Texans, but Texans played above and beyond, and the opponents played, you know, beneath their uh, capabilities, but still, I thought that uh, everybody deserved praise for making that the kind of game that it was two weeks in a row, especially after they had barely been competitive during most of the first six losses in a row. And uh, so I thought they should be commended. Not, people think, well, it's it's a cliche to say they showed heart and guts, but that's exactly what they did. I never thought for a minute they'd beat the Cowboys. Never thought for a minute they would beat the Chiefs. I, was, I felt bad for Davis Mills to lose that fumble in overtime because he'd had two touchdowns passing and one rushing. But – uh, we knew they were going to get beat, but I think they ought to feel good about themselves after these last two games as they get ready to play the Titans, who've lost, I think, three in a row. Yeah, yeah, The Titan and the Titans have the Jags nipping at their heels. The Texans are going to factor into this playoff race, John, not as an actual participant, but as a possible spoiler. The next two teams they play are going to be um, battling. You know, Jacksonville's going to be rooting hard for the Texans next week because the Jags beat the Cowboys today in overtime and the Titans lost on a last-second field goal to the Chargers. So things are actually tightening up, believe it or not, in the uh, in the uh, AFC South. Um, John, as far as the game today, and really oh, the last couple of weeks goes, um, do you think that the last two games, given how competitive they were, given that they had a chance to win, 
both of these games against the Cowboys and Chiefs. Has that done anything to move the needle, do you think, on Lovey Smith's job security? I don't know why it would. You know, what if they turn around and stink it up against the Titans like they did when they played the Titans the first time and they just got manhandled and uh, they've beaten Jacksonville nine in a row? What if the Jaguars kill them? What if they lose to the Colts? So while it's commendable and Lovey and Pep Hamilton and and uh, Frank Ross to be praised, as should the position coaches and the players, it's a two-game stretch. That shouldn't be enough to uh, save – Jobs now. If they win a couple at the end of the season, you know, being competitive against Cowboys and Chiefs, you know, you ought to be able to beat the Titans. They beat the Titans in Nashville last year. That's with Tyrod Taylor not playing very well. Almost beat them here when Davis Mills played great, and uh, of course they swept the Jaguars last year. So they still got a ways to go, I think, before we can start talking about Lovey Smith's job could be secure. Now, on the other hand, maybe the McNairs know they're going to bring him back in any circumstances, but I doubt it. There's no way There's no way they can bring Pep Hamilton back, right? As commendable no, as I the mean, game plan no. he put together to try to win these games. Well, I say commendable. I mean, they, they put up 219 yards of offense. Like, it's, I, I do feel like we, we need to back up a little bit. Like, yeah, it was competitive, they, and, and the Chiefs shot themselves in the foot, but I think the Texans forced some of that. You know, the, the penalties on the Chiefs, um, were by and large because the Texans decided to attack downfield in the passing game for a change instead of checking down. Um, the two turnovers by the Chiefs were both forced by the Texans. They were not unforced errors. They were forced by the Texans, by Mario Addison and by Tremont Smith. Um, but, yeah, so I, Pep's gone. Um, I don't know. I've, yeah, the, the the lovey thing. Well, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. I guess I, you know, they they they've been playing hard for him the last couple of weeks. But you know, I'm I'm part of the group that wants a total reset of this thing. Um, if you bring Lovey Smith back, yeah, how are you going to get a good offensive coordinator and play caller to Bingo. come in here? No, he could be fired in a year. Bingo. Yeah, absolutely. No, they're the only way. John, my my theory is if they keep Lovey Smith, it means they're not drafting a quarterback. That's that's my theory. I think they're drafting a quarterback regardless. No, I do. Oh, even okay. So even if they keep Lovey, all right. Yeah, I think okay. Lovey's got nothing to do with what happens to a quarterback. You can be a defensive coordinator as a head coach and have a great quarterback. No, I get it. Okay, well then maybe be dropping that poor quarterback down into a super dysfunctional situation. They would. And that's why I think he's gone. Yeah, I hope so too. I hope you're right. Uh, all right, let's do it. Stock up, stock down. Thirty to twenty-four. The final score. <clears throat> Overtime. The Texans. <clears throat> excuse me. The Texans um, lose to the Kansas City Chiefs. John, you have the honors. Who's your first stock up for today? Titus Howard. Mm. Uh, with Justin McRae, ordinarily would be the left guard when Kenyon Green was out, and maybe George Warhop should the offensive line coach should figure in. They moved Titus from right tackle to left guard and they put Charlie Heck at right tackle. They're better with Titus at left guard and Heck at right tackle than they are with uh, Justin McRae at left guard because he's awful. And so they went up against a good pass rushing defensive line. Chris Jones, one of the top defensive tackles in the NFL, 11 sacks. If Jeff Driscoll hadn't been brain dead and run out of bounds instead of just toss the ball out of bounds. They'd have given up no sacks for the third game in a row. But Frank Clark got credit for one because Driscoll had that brain-dead play 
And but the offensive line didn't give one up. The run blocking was much better than I thought it would be. And so I think Titus Howard played a big role in that. Yeah, unselfish, I would say. You know, we know he doesn't like playing left guard. He shouted from the rooftops when they were going to make him the full time right tackle this year. Um, so yeah, I'm with you. I'm I'm with you on that. Uh the offensive line did a did a good job today. My first one is Tremont Smith. This is two weeks in a row now, John, where he's made some big game-changing plays. Of course, he had both the interceptions last week against the Cowboys. He had uh, the fumble, the forced fumble today that they had to review, and the referees almost botched that one. But Lovey was a good challenge by Lovey Smith. Uh, the fumble by Juju Smith-Schuster that Tremont Smith – Tremont Smith didn't even know he had forced a fumble. I, I was listening to him talk to John Harris in the post game. He was Johnny's interview down in the locker room. And he he just thought he'd made a big hit. He didn't realize until he turned around. He saw Desmond King with the football. I think it was Desmond King. I, I forget who picked it up. Um, but uh, uh, but Tremont Smith has has really shown out the last couple of weeks. They're playing without their top two corners right now with Derek Stingley on IR and with um, Stephen Nelson missing today's game. I think Desmond King and Tremont Smith have done a nice job for this team at corner the last couple of weeks. I think he has too. He's become a big play guy. They got to keep big play guys on the field. Yeah, absolutely. So stock up for Tremont Smith for me, John. Good. Who's, who's your next one? Uh, Royce Freeman. Royce Freeman had been on the practice squad all year. He goes into this game as the third team running back behind Dario Gumbawale and Rex Burkhead. When he finally gets the ball, he rips off one good run after another. He ended up with uh, 11 carries, 51 yards. That's a 4.6 average. He had a long gain of 11, second on the team to Davis Mills, 17-yard touchdown run. And he's not great. He's not even real good. But the fact is, when you got a, a Goombawale and you got Burkhead, you got nothing. And so as it was, they ended up with 94 yards rushing. That included uh, 21 by Mills and 8 by Driscoll. But it also got them not to give the ball to Rex Burkhead. Yes. And so I thought Royce Freeman with his 4.6 yard average uh, against a really good defense and a good run defense, I thought that he deserves some kudos. Yeah, John, it just goes to show you what has this team been doing outside of Damian Pierce all season long? I mean, Royce Freeman's sitting on the practice squad and he comes up, he gets 50 yards on 11 carries or 56 yards, whatever it is. Uh, on on eleven carries, I forget. I mean, fifty some odd yards. Fifty one yards on eleven carries. That was a fifty one yards on eleven carry. I mean, he's like, so, it's so obvious he's a better player than Rex Burkhead. I just he's quicker. He's he, much quicker. He's, yeah, he, he can break tackles, and he's been sitting around collecting cobwebs all season. I think this coaching staff, especially on offense, have done a really poor job on selecting players on game days. Yes, I, I would agree with that. I absolutely agree with that. Um, all right, last one for stock up, John. Mine is Christian Harris, the rookie linebacker who led the team in tackles oh, yeah. today. 14 tackles for Christian Harris. He was all over the place. Three TFLs for Christian Harris. I think he may have had a pass defended in there. To know he had a QB hit in there as well. Um, there was one play in this game early on a third down play where I think they flipped it out to Jerick McKinnon in the flat on like a third and six, something like that. And Christian Harris just, he showed that SEC speed on that play. I think you know the play I'm talking about where he just closed in on him, used the sideline as another defender, and was able to was able to get the defense off the field. And I'm watching that play. I'm going, that's why you draft Christian Harris. Like that's 
That play right there. Kamu Gruger Hill does not make that play right there. Kamu Gruger Hill is probably washed onto the other sideline by whatever blocking is going on on that play. Um, Christian Harris, we had him on the post game show too, John, here in studio. He's a great kid. Um, he's, you know, I asked him about, <laughs> I, I, they've probably lost more games in, in December so far than he lost his whole time at Alabama. So I was asking, um, how, how tough that adaptation is for him that, you know, he's not used to losing. Yeah. I thought he had a great answer. He said, you know, Nick Saban always had a 24 hour rule where, you know, win or lose, you had 24 hours to digest whatever the emotion was. And then you were on to the next. And he said, that's just what he's used this season. Um, so I thought it was a really good answer. Really smart kid. I can see why Lovey and Nick hugged each other after they got him in the third round of the draft this past year. Very, very optimistic about Christian Harris. So linebacker ran a four 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 combine from Alabama, and you wonder what was he doing available in the third round. One of the things he'll learn to do is harness his speed. Sometimes he'll get to a guy so quick he'll miss a tackle mm -hmm. and uh, not run by him, but get up to, and he can't rebalance. But that's something he'll get with experience. But, man, that was a really good game by him today. Yep, no doubt, no doubt. All right, let's do some stock down, John. Who's your first stock down for this game? Jeff Driscoll, for a reason I mentioned earlier, that he was dumb and ran out of bounds to take the only sack. When you're going towards the sideline, all you got to do is toss the ball ahead of you. And also, he that he wasn't as effective as he'd been against the Cowboys. He carried four times eight yards. That's a two-yard average. And he had a nine-yard gain. And on the first and goal, at the, it started at the nine, and everything was moving really well. And Pep Hamilton puts him in, he runs, he loses a yard. It kind of took away the momentum. And uh, they ended up kicking a field goal to tie it. But uh, he also, th when throwing the ball, he was two of four for eight yards. So he just wasn't productive. And I'm thinking, you know what, if you got to put him in on every short yardage every once in a while, but give me Royce Freeman. Over Jeff Driscoll. Yeah, Drizzy Cat's dead. The Drizzy, I think they figured out the Drizzy Cat, John. The Drizzy Cat is officially dead. It's just that Pep Hamilton saw the cat on the floor and thought, that cat looks like he's still alive. That cat, cats can bounce if you throw them off of ledges. I'm sure that cat's just fine. Nope. Drizzy Cat is gone. He is dead. And it's very, very sad. Um, it was fun while it lasted, I'll say, the Jeff Driscoll era. Um, my first stock down is for Lovey Smith and not for the Texans losing this game. Um, but I didn't like one of the decisions that he made in this game that I thought he got grilled kind of about it in the post game. 50 uh, yard line. Fourth and one midfield. You're up by a touchdown. You're one eleven and one. You're playing against one of the best teams, if not the best team in football, go for it on fourth and one. I would absolutely. not have cared. You, you absolutely go for it there. And I know you have trouble running in short yardage. I know the play before that was a short yardage play that you ran the Drizzy Cat on. Literally ran the Drizzy Cat, like, direct snap to Driscoll, and he just ran outside. Um, you got to go for it there. Like, you you, you cannot play this game like you're also 10-3 and three and it's a close-to-the-vest kind of thing. You got you to gotta put them out there. You got to lay them on the glass, man. And I just – it was just one of those things, John, when I'm watching. I watch Lovey, and I listen to Lovey in the press conference afterwards, and he's like – Man, we're right where we want to be. We just want to be in this game, and we got a chance to win it in overtime. I can't wait to have a coach that just doesn't aspire to have a chance to do something. You know what I mean? Like, I can't wait to have a leader of this team 
that takes the reins, it takes the bull by the horn and, and dictates terms to other teams. I know he doesn't have the roster to do that right now, but man, fake it. Like there's so little that's inspiring about this regime right now. Uh, one of the things that um, he said, he said, eventually we're going to get over the hump. And that was the last quote I used in my column for uh, gallery sports. And then I said, problem is time they get over the hump, he and his staff are going to be gone. Oh yeah. And he said, he'd do that again every time. That's kind of old school where you, you trying to win one game at a time, not looking at the big picture, but I agree with you a hundred percent. What's your next stock down, John? I feel bad doing this with Davis Mills since he had two touchdowns passes and one rushing, but in overtime, you got to protect the ball. Inexcusable. He was not holding the ball the right way. Frank Clark reached out and should never been able to knock that ball loose. He was almost like carrying a loaf of bread with two hands, not tucking it. And what's he doing running anyway? He got a little carried away after that 17-yard touchdown run, which he showed, you know, I'm a better runner than people think. And I felt bad. You know, he threw for only 121 yards, 12-24. But uh, that fumble, not that they would have won the game, but that's the last thing he can do, and it set up the winning touchdown. Yeah. Yeah, it was – yeah, it was. I mean, it's John. It's the third, at least the third that I can think of this year, game where he's done something in the fourth quarter or late in the game or in overtime that's essentially lost the game for the Texans. You know, the week one against the Colts, the strip sack fumble, which opened the gateway to their comeback in that game. Uh, week three, the the Roquan Smith interception in week three. The Eagles game too. I mean, he had a bad interception to start the second half in that game. Like he's just. It's not just turning the ball over. He turns it over at the worst possible times. Um, and then this one, obviously, was this lo- that literally lost the game for them. I know McKinnon, you know, ran the touchdown in on the next play. The Chiefs still had to do some, you know, they still had to do at least one thing, which was score a touchdown, but just inexcusable by Davis Mills. Um, my last one, our last stock down, it's actually somebody who didn't play in the game today, um, but just Derek Stingley Jr., uh, you know, gets put on injured reserve over the weekend. He's He's been dealing with the, quote, mild ham, hamstring for the last four games. And then finally the team decides to shut him down and put him on injured reserve. And this isn't me saying Derek Stingley Jr. stocked down because he's got an attitude problem or because he's faking it or anything like that. It's Derek Stingley the asset. You know, not Derek Stingley the person. Derek Stingley the asset. Got to be stocked down right now, John. He The reason why... People had questions about drafting him third overall was, was were health issues. And now he – I don't know what was going on with his hamstring for four weeks to where they couldn't put him on IR four weeks ago. Like, did what, and all of a sudden, did it get worse? You know, or did they just say, you know what, let's just shut him down? Um, I feel like there's a lot of unanswered questions with Stingley and their handling of him. Um, so I can't help but feel uh, – I can't help but feel nervous that they may have drafted a lemon with the third overall pick. When a guy's hurt in college and then he is hurt as a rookie in the NFL, you wonder, is this going to be a persistent problem where he's going to be in and out of the lineup with injuries? Now, he may never get hurt again. He may become a perennial pro bowler. But right now, he's so far behind guys like Sauce Gardner and Tariq Willen and other good defensive backs because of that hamstring injury. And the only thing I can think of is they just thought it wasn't going to get him better. Because usually if a hamstring gets worse, 
you know, and so what? He's got the whole off season, but he needs that playing time. No doubt. It's like Kenyon Green needs more playing time. They're lucky that Christian Harris and Jalen Petrie are playing as well as they are to make this rookie class look good. They've actually got, I mean, John, if you the balance sheet on the rookies, like I'm excited about more of them than I'm disappointed in, you know, between, between Petrie, Christian Harris, Damian Pierce, um, Catoriano is a touchdown machine. He is. Catoriano's doing some nice things. You know, he's, he, he's, I think he's, you know, I, I'm, I say he's a tight end. They have the most confidence in, like, obviously they have confidence in Jordan Akins too, at least in, at least catching the ball. Although he had a nice block today on a Royce Freeman run to seal the edge, Jordan Akins. So uh, maybe a little mini stock up on him off to the side. Um, but those are four rookies right there, you know, and they, they got some, you know, Hairston and Heinish and, Hanson are all getting on the field as undrafted guys running around and doing some things like overall, like if you just put your hand over the first round and say, look at this, look at these guys from second. And you know, they're going to get John Mechie back at some point that the team, that's not the team's fault that he got leukemia. Um, If you just put your hand on top of the first round and say, don't look at this, but just look at the rest of this class. I'll let you look at the first round in just a second. I'd say, man, this is pretty good. Like they're hitting on a lot of these guys. They, 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 they hit it in the second, third and fourth rounds. They hit, at the very least, solid doubles in the gap in those rounds. And whatever round they drafted Kitoriano in, I think he's a good player. And they have a few undrafted contributors. And then you move your hand and go, okay, now look at the first round. You go, ugh, oh, God. A hamstring injury for the third overall pick who was injury-prone in college. A, a guard with the 15th overall pick who's having who, who's having trouble, who's struggling against good players. Um, this is a big offseason for those players for Nick Casario, who drafted those players, for the confidence level that the city has in Nick in the front office to execute this draft, which is, to me, more important than the previous draft because you're probably going to take a quarterback. A lot of questions going into the offseason. That's what's going to make it so much fun compared to this regular season. No doubt. No doubt. Um, All right, John, before we get out, two things. Um, One football, one baseball. Have you texted all of your friends – that played for the 1992-93 Oilers and congratulated them that they no longer are the owners of the biggest choke job in the history of the NFL. They are the owners of the biggest choke job in the playoffs in NFL history until somebody does worse. But I tweeted a few times about it because I know those guys, a lot of them get tired of hearing about it. Bruce Matthews said he always watches it open. If he watches it enough, sometimes maybe the ending will change. Right. And uh, somehow I think it won't, but they certainly got a lot of attention with the Colts blowing that 33 point lead compared to their 35 to three lead on January 3rd, 1993. Yeah. My God. Did you watch any of that Colts game yesterday, John? Uh, I did. I did because I did, I watched a little in the first half and then started doing stuff. And then when they right to come back, when they got maybe 21, I started paying attention. I watched the whole thing from beginning to end because I have the Vikings in my survival survival pool this weekend. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to watch this. Even I'm just going to hate watch it. If nothing else, here was the weird thing about that game, John. And depending on what time you bailed out of the game, you know, you, you, you know, you saw this too. Um, the Colts, it sounds weird to say, but I think the fact that the game ended the way it did, I think bears this out, but I felt this way at the time. It was kind of a phony 30 to nothing lead. And and what I mean by that is Kirk Cousins threw a pick six. 
they had a block punt for a touchdown. The opening drive where they got their first field goal, the kickoff return was like to midfield. Like, you know, so uh, the, the Vikings went for it twice on fourth down in their own territory, like, like, Pretty deep in their own territory. Don't forget like, the fake punt that didn't work. Yeah, the fake punt. That was one of them. And then they it went It could for have it. been 50 to nothing instead of 33 to nothing. It could have been. But my point is, John, I don't think Matt Ryan had a possession where he started with the football at a normal starting field position till it was like 23 to nothing. Like he, it was 23 to nothing. And I don't think he had, the, the longest drive he started was the opening drive of the game where they started at midfield because of the long kickoff return. Everything else was defensive scores, special team scores, taking over at the Vikings 28-yard line. Like Matt Ryan didn't have to do anything. Like his they were up 30 to nothing and his numbers at the time were like 7 of 9 for 48 yards or something. Like it was it was crazy. So that's I mean I am not going to sit here and say like so I thought for sure the Vikings would come back. I just knew that the Colts were probably going to stop scoring because the Vikings were just doing dumb stuff for the first half. And no way Jeff Saturday's going to get that job. He had another terrible clock management issue at yep. the end of the game. That's two, and he has no explanation other than he thought we were in a great spot to make it work, and and uh, Jim Mercy is going to be cleaning house and starting over. I thought it was interesting. Frank Reich's former team is the one that now owns the record because Frank Reich is the one who engineered that incredible comeback against yeah. the Oilers. Yep. Yeah, no, that's a nice little – parallel you know what hot take john i don't think jeff saturday should be allowed back as his studio job either sorry <laughs> you took a swing you th- you you thought you you took a swing and now you've been exposed you don't even know how to manage a clock during a game jeff your credibility is shot you know what that's interesting if he's back at espn he's ripping somebody's clock management yep when he had that issue too yep. bill o'brien told me one time all you bleepers in the media just sit up in the press box making bleep decisions like you guys know what's going on. I'd like to see your bleeps be down on the sideline sometime trying to make bleeping decisions at the snap of a snap of your fingers and and yeah. uh, you know what? I'm glad I don't. But yeah. for several million dollars. Yeah, d- d- bingo, John. Yeah, cry me a river, Bill. Yeah, you know what? Give me two more bleeping zeros on my check like you have, and then I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, John, the other thing real quick that we'll get to, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, the Astros re-signed Michael Brantley one year, 12 million bucks. I think a few million more in incentives. Um, but this, it, it, it looks like this is going to be once they lost out on Wilson Contreras and, um, and I'm trying to think of who, well, Vasquez left obviously, well, but really Contreras, once they lost out on him, it really started to feel like it was going to be by and large a run it back situation for this team. Plus Jose Abreu, obviously. Uh, Michael Brantley's taking a six million a year pay cut. You know he's basically a DH now. Uh, maybe he and he'll he'll DH some when Alvarez is in left field, but he didn't really float my boat. You know I like Pena batting second and him not batting second. Put him down at the end of the order down there where Yuli was. Next thing you know, they'll sign Yuli as their utility infielder. But uh, I was kind of once – I was hoping they would add another bat in the outfield. I'd still like to see them make a trade, not pitchers on the current staff, but maybe they have some minor leaguers now where they could somehow get a legitimate center fielder because 
you know, Brantley's a singles hitter. That's what he is. He's not going to hit home runs. He's not going to hit, he'll hit some doubles, but it's certain, it doesn't float my boat. I figured he would come back, but I sure doesn't get me any more fired up. Well, John, I, it doesn't I, like over for 162 games. It doesn't, but imagine if Michael Brantley were hitting in the seven hole for this team in the postseason instead of Trey Mancini and, and, and all the, you know, led Miss Diaz and all the gaggles and misfits they were trotting out there at, at, uh, at times first base, at times DH, mostly DH, because um, Jordan would be playing in left field. Um, I mean, Brantley is a legitimate, like he's a legitimate pro hitter compared to the, I mean, he, he Michael put it this way, Michael Brantley's not going to go one for 18 in the ALCS and, and World Series like those guys did. No, he's not, but I'm still hoping they can get a legitimate center field. I do too. Who can hit? Yep, I do too. I do too. Mullins from Baltimore, maybe, or or Brian Re- Brian Reynolds, probably the easier target because Baltimore probably feels like they're moving in the right direction now. Baltimore's right. probably more in a keep keep player mode than sell off mode. Um, so Michael Brantley back with the uh, with the Houston Astros. All right, so John, you and I got a mailbag episode we're gonna do on uh, a little later this week. Record Tuesday, drop on Wednesday. You gonna be ready for that? I'll be ready. I always am. Okay, good deal. H-O-U- Can't wait. H-O-U mailbag at gmail.com is is where you can send us your emails. H-O-U mailbag at gmail.com. You guys have been sending in good questions. Keep it going for us. We love the mailbag episode. Um, we love answering your questions. H-O-U mailbag at gmail.com. John, what do you got going on? Um, I have my grades. I gave real, I may never have given grades so high after, te- after Texans lost a game. I did and I feel comfortable with it. And uh, and then for uh, and I'll have I'll have two columns this week for uh, SportsRadio610.com and then my column on Gallery Sports is about the offense and the good things about it and then Mills then of course Mills is fumble but mainly I think people can feel better for the offense because Mills look better uh, Royce Freeman should be the running back from here on out no questions asked. I'd, uh, but it is funny how when they have a little success running, teams make adjustments and they don't run anymore. Right, right. Yeah, that's I'm, I don't know. I just need a new coaching staff, John. Like, a, I I'm think so, you're going to get your wish. Yeah, I, I'm so tired of dissecting, like, hey, why is it this way with Pep Hamilton's offense? Why is it that way? I'm like, we got three more games of this, you know, and then uh, and then hopefully the, the clouds break and we have an offense that actually looks like it functions in a modern day NFL. Um, all right. Well, they could, done. Hey, they could sweep all three AFC South games. They could th- sweep all three of them, John, and still wind up with the number <laughs> one overall pick. Possibly if, if Denver, Hey, if Denver keeps winning without Russell Wilson, like they did today. And, uh, we just need Chicago to squeeze a win or two in there as well. And the Texans, kind of, they, they, they can have a nice cushion going here. We'll see. Um, so, um, so we'll, uh, we'll see you guys on Wednesday for a mailbag episode. Again, H O U mailbag at gmail.com for um, Figgy Fig, who gets this podcast out to all of you. We love Figgy. We appreciate all the work he's doing uh, getting the podcast out to you guys. He is the official producer of the Utopia Football Podcast. For the Hall of Famer, John McClain, I am Sean Pendergast. We are out of time. We will see all of you a little later on this week for a mailbag episode. We appreciate you tuning in, downloading, sharing with a friend, giving us a five-star review. It is the Utopia Football Podcast. Have a great day, everybody.